You're listening to the Bible Nerd Podcast, a weekly show where we're exploring the world of the Bible, helping you fall more in love with Jesus and building a thoughtful defense for the Christian worldview. I'm your host, Steve Schramm. Welcome to the show. Hello, my friends, and welcome into another episode of the Bible Nerd Podcast. Thrilled to share another conversation that I had with Emily today. And this one, I think they're just getting more and more fun as the days go by. This one was really awesome. We talked about all sorts of things. Again, we sort of hit back on the purpose of the universe and and got to talking about some of the differences between young earth creation and old earth creation. And I mean, why did God create anything at all? We really spanned some important um, topics, both philosophical uh, and scientific, and I guess also scriptural as well. So I'm going to let her take it away from here. And uh, I hope you enjoy the conversation. Okay. So when I was in college, um, I had an astronomy class. And the first day of my astronomy class was awesome. We opened up our textbook and here is this paragraph that starts off the textbook that has always resonated with me. It's always stuck with me because it's such a great way for our our, our minds to be able to, to even somewhat fathom the vastness of the universe. Yeah. And I wanted to read it if that's okay. Um, yeah. yeah, please. Please do. Yeah. And let me find it really quick. Okay. So to gain some perspective about the size of the Milky Way galaxy, or the Milky Way and local group, which is a collection of galaxies the Milky Way is a part of, and only a small portion of the universe, imagine that we built a model in which a light year was scaled down to just one meter. At this scale, Pluto's orbit, the orbit around the sun, would fit into the head of a pin. <laughs> And the sun would be the size of a virus, which is not visible to the naked eye. The Milky Way galaxy would be the size of a large city about 60 miles across, while M31, the Andromeda galaxy, the closest galaxy to us, Mm -hmm. um, would be another city about 2,500 miles away. Given the enormous scale of this model, light, which normally travels 186,000 miles per second, crawls along about as fast as a plant might grow just a meter per year so that even at light speed and trip from the milky way to m31 would take 2.5 million years yeah so here i am thinking wow this is going to be the best class ever well second day it all went downhill because they introduced the maths and equations and i was lost for the rest of the semester but the good thing is I took away this point. It, it resonated with me because I'm sitting here thinking, what is the point? What is the point of this entire universe when we are just a tiny little speck, almost an insignificant speck is how it makes you feel? You know, what is the point of being the only, you know, what's the point? What's the point of the universe yeah. in our and in in the whole grand scheme of things when it comes to our spirituality. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, when it comes to that's a great way to frame that. Yeah. So, um the, this kind of right, this kind of thinking, this kind of question along with so many other ones that that you tend to ask and that other people tend to ask too. Um it really has like two different ways entirely that you could answer it, right? You could go down the route of the apologetics or you could go down the route of the theology. Now, last week, just to kind of remind people, we we talked about, and if you haven't heard last week's episode, I would highly encourage you to go listen to it. It was a it was really good. It was one of my favorites we've done so far. And 
and yeah, it was it was it was really fantastic. Um, and so we talked about um, the idea of heaven, right, and, and how heaven is so different from what most you know people, most popular, you know, most Christians think that it is. And and so we got into this a little bit in that um, there could be this ultimate purpose for the universe that that is speculative. That that we don't really we don't really know about now, but in the future it could be like who knows maybe I'll be the governor of my own planet, and that would be stinking awesome. And I could and I could just like teleport over to, you know, Emily's planet anytime I want to. And I would I would love for when when the scripture says that in our in my father's house there would be many mansions. I would just love it if my father's house was the sky that I see and his mansions were planets and I get my own planets. That would be cool. I don't think that's what's <laughs> going to happen, but that would be that. It could, it could. Who knows? And so, um, right, I'm down too. So I, I think that would be fantastic. But, but it's still out there, right? That's in the future. It's a, it's a big, it's a big maybe. Um, so th- that sort of frames the, the discussion to take it a little bit, a little bit further. So let me, um, because most of the people who listen to this podcast are are Christians. So I think we'll tackle maybe like the theological way of looking at this first. Um, and then maybe we'll look at a little bit at, at the apologetics. Again, we, we talked about the sum at the end of last week, but it's definitely something that deserves its own episode at the very least. So um, from, from a theological perspective, like why, again, why is the universe so vast, so large? Why? I mean, you, that description that you gave was just absolutely fantastic. Now, when I, when I read that, um, again, you're you're going to get a couple different responses, right? The atheist might read that and think, "Oh my gosh, like we are nothing. Like, w- like why does it? Why why would a god purposefully create this gigantic universe that we're in, and then only care about this one small insignificant, you know, speck? And I know we're going to talk about the apologetics more in a minute, but. Right now, I just want to point out that, yeah, sure. I mean, we're we're, you know, we're not Star Trek level yet in in the uh, you know space travel and exploration that we that we do. It's going to be a few years before the Vulcans land here. I'm preparing for that. I think that's like 2070 or so. And so warp drive is coming. Um, um, and, oh, by the way, Star Trek is prophecy. It's not fiction. Uh, just in case anybody didn't know that. So. Um, Anyway, there's that. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking, you know, I'm looking forward to when our warp drive is created and, and we can go, you know, explore a little further. Um, but, but to, again, to me, my response when I hear that is the same as the psalmist's response. And in Psalm 8, I think it's David uh, talking there. And, and he says, What is man? that thou art mindful for him. Actually, he says, when I observe the heavens, the sun and the moon and the stars that you have made, what is man that, that you're mindful of him and, uh, and the son of man that you'd visit him. And, and, and so we're not the first people to wonder about this. I think I'm in pretty good company wondering about this along with David. So I was just talking about this at men's small group, which I taught last night. And, and that is the fact that, um, like the, when the biblical writers and, and and biblical characters, like when they looked in the heavens, um, they marveled. Like Psalm nineteen one talks about the heavens declare the glory of God, and the the firmament shows His handiwork and all this stuff. And and I asked the guys in our small group, I was like, now think about this. I want I want I really want an answer here. When you look up at the sky, when you look at the heavens, what do you like? Why 
Do you think Psalm 19.1 is true? Like for you, do you have that experience and, and why? And the answers I got are the answers that I thought I would get, which is why I asked the question, you know, marketing, only ask questions, you know, the answer to, and the answer has to be yes. Anyway, so um, I, I knew what they would say. And, and they said the same thing that I had. My response is I, I, I know that when I look into the heavens, what I'm looking at is merely a gateway into a bazillion worlds about which we know close to nothing. <laughs> um, it, it, you know, we have Hubble telescope images. We, we have a sense for the vastness of the universe. Um, and so when I look up at the night sky and I, I, I marvel about God's creation there, I'm thinking scientifically. I can't help it. I'm an American, modern, Western person. After, you know, after, frankly, after the invention of the Hubble telescope, what can I say? I mean, we've been to the moon. You know, I told the guys, I said, if you don't think the moon landing was real, just, I don't even want to talk about that. So, so don't, <laughs> don't come to me with that one. Right. We've, we, we, we've been to the moon. Okay. And, 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 um, anyway, we've been to space, right? We know what it looks like. We have, we have a really good sense for this. Um, even as small and finite as we are, but when biblical writers looked at the heavens and, and they expressed these words in their writing that we can identify with, they didn't have any of that context. They were pre-modern. They were pre-scientific. They, no, they were smart. Don't get me wrong. They could do some seriously incredible stuff. There's something called astro art, um, astro architecture, uh, something along those lines where, where they could actually like, they, and they did, they architected structures and buildings according to like movements of planets and things in the sky. Like, like there's archaeoastronomy. I think that's what it's called. Um, anyway, whatever, whatever it's called. Um, they, they were doing this. And, and so they were smart, but they just, they still didn't have the information that we had. So when biblical writers were writing these reflections, they were not thinking scientifically. They were thinking theologically and spiritually, which is a whole, which is a whole different outlook. And, and, and the, the introduction to, you know, to that, or the, I guess the payoff to that is that um, even like the Magi, you know, it's Christmas time, the, the Magi, what did they do to, to find Jesus? They followed the star. And so this 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 could dovetail nicely into something we're going to have to talk about in the future. A question that you had raised about Christian uh, astrology and and the history of and actually I would say um, it's called Jewish astral theology. It's actually a real thing, and so that's a precursor. I'd love to talk about that soon sometime. But point is that when they looked up at the night sky, they were thinking uh, that God could use that to communicate, right? So they so they were thinking in just a, a completely different way that that we do about it and yeah we we can certainly look at it and i and identify and realize that this universe was created a certain way and um so we do ask that question now i i think I, and now okay let me let me let me pause um there is definitely a speculative a very speculative element of this we're going to go through some things here that i wrote down that are that are certainly true 100 percent but then we're going to go through some things that are speculative. Um, but your real your, your purpose in asking this really is, hey, I want to know like what's the purpose of the universe right now? Like not what could it be in the future, but like what's going on right now? Well, to be honest, I and this is a thought I just had because of what I the trajectory I was going down. Um, I almost wonder if if at least part of God's purpose in creating the universe was so that it could be used in the way that it was used when the biblical writers were using it. 
Um, there are, again, we can't go too far down this rabbit hole because it is a rabbit hole, but, but, but there is a rich history of theologically conservative Jewish scholars who would use like zodiac signs and things like that to observe movements of the stars and planets in the sky. And they really did think that God could communicate messages that way. And there's some evidence in Paul, it's in Romans 10, there's some evidence that that Paul was even thinking this way and referencing back to Romans or to Psalm 19. Um, the heavens declare the glory of God from it shows his handiwork. Their line stretches, you know, their line and their voice have gone out across, you know, all the nations. So th- there, there are some, there are some things to that. So that's, that's at least one thing. Have you ever thought about that? Just asking you, you know, have you ever thought about whether, have you ever thought about anything I just told you right there? Well, actually, no, I, I guess I never really considered, you know, what they thought before they had the modern knowledge that we do now, mm-hmm. just because I wasn't sure, I, I guess I never looked into it, like how, if they even understood how vast it was, yeah. um, you know, you look up at the night sky with no knowledge at all. I mean, honestly, you could just look like a ceiling, you know what I'm saying? So sure. the fact that they were able to use, you know, the, the archaeo astronomy that you were talking about right. to even, you know, even understand that there were planets and stuff is, is incredible to me because, mm-hmm. That to me is smart. You know, it's almost like you had to to like reemphasize, like, no, well, don't worry, they were smart. Well, yeah, I think mean, they're way smarter than us because we rely on our instruments. They had to rely on their brain. Yeah, um, so it's incredible. Yeah. They had and to build, I, I and then they built instruments and stuff. It's, it's yeah, it's really fascinating. Right, right from from nothing. Yeah. So, and the fact that you know, even Paul in in Bible time is is sitting there wondering the same kind of thing I am. I don't know. It just, yeah. it just. I love the fact that we've all had the same question and we all kind of haven't got a yeah. an answer yet. So Yeah. Yeah. Well that's that's the that's that's sort of the thing, right? Like so so let me let me ground this in something concrete real quick. Something concrete. I always go back to this verse whenever why questions get asked, because why questions are the hardest ones to answer, but they are also kind of fun to speculate about. And and there's you know, there are conclusions. It's it's kind of cool. The Bible doesn't speak to everything. Uh, obviously, like there, there are a lot of things the Bible doesn't speak to, um, but there are there's guidelines and direction around a lot of things. So it's like you kind of you can kind of always know what isn't OK <laughs> to, you know, what what are bad conclusions to draw? You know, you can kind of know that based on moral guidance in the Bible and 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 even even the grammar that is used in, in the language to communicate. Like, like, for example, good example. Of this is like gap theory. OK, gap theory is a theory of creation that says there's this big gap between Genesis um, uh, Genesis one and Genesis two that that you could place all this uh, all this time Genesis one one and one two that you could place all this time and um, by rule of Hebrew grammar that's not allowed like violation <laughs> do not pass code do not pass like it's false because you can't argue the view from the text so there are guidelines there but then on the other hand there is room for speculation on some things so. That is true, but I always like to ground it in Revelation 4.11. It's my favorite verse to go to because it helps me deal with the why questions. It just says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Now, now that verse is just abundantly clear. It's, it's, one of those, it's one of those guideline verses. You can't go out of bounds there. If it was created, by the way, this means Satan. This means other spiritual evil beings. This means bad people that we don't like. You know, this means cauliflower. Can I get an amen? These are things that were that were created 
for some ungodly reason, but it was a godly reason, right? For for the pleasure of the Lord, they are and were created. And, I, and I'm like, I, our, our pastor, Pastor Jake often says, he's like, I don't like that. <laughs> you know, uh, that there, there are parts of me that just really wants to just honestly buck up against that and be like, there's there, like why we're all the, all of these things were created for your, your, your pleasure. And I, again, I, I'm I can extrapolate a little bit. Like, like when I say, when we say we're created for, for your pleasure, you know, I certainly don't think what he means there is that God gets pleasure out of watching evil things happen. I mean, that much is certainly not true. Um, if you read your Bible at all, I mean, you, you, you come to that conclusion because why would God, and this is why I have a problem with Calvinism, frankly, is because why would God create people, you know, and, and, and move in their actions to actually do things that are evil or, or, or to have like, why, why would, why would God in his sovereign ways move in the heart of somebody who is a, a Mormon to have incorrect thoughts about God? Like that, that doesn't make any sense to me. And, and, and so not to dive into that whole debate, but, um, um, but like God, I'm not talking about God getting pleasure out of wicked things, but I think God's pleasure there that it's referred to in sort of an ultimate, ultimate sense. Um, you know, we, we do what we want to do and we're just like God in that sense. We're creators. We have the ability to bring things into the world. Um, not just children. I mean, that's the obvious example, but, but you know, other things, businesses, you, me, my wife, we all have businesses, which like, like. At least in our case, it, uh, it just was a thought in my mind that I put on paper and now it's a real thing. It's like we, we can create things out of nothing, <laughs> which is amazing because it's, it's this little glimpse into the power that God has. And so I think when it says for his pleasure, they are and were created, um, I think for his he's talking about his ultimate pleasure, his ultimate, which is which is to have a divine and human family. Right. I, I keep going back to that just because I think it's true. I think. What God wanted was a family. That's what God wants. God wants to share his love with other people because of how great that would be for them, not for him, because God's love is infinite and eternal. And so, um, yeah, so so what purpose, I guess, to bring it back, like what purpose does the universe have in, in its existence? Well, I mean, I guess if we're talking um, practical purposes, right? I mean, well, high-level purposes you've got for the pleasure of God. That's a, de that's a definite answer. It was created the way that it was for the pleasure of God, because that's how he stinking wanted it. Like, and, and that's, that's the answer that we're often most uncomfortable with, but mm -hmm. it's, it's true. It, it, it's, it's the only concrete answer that the Bible actually gives to that question. Now I'll, I'll just, and I'm kind of just summarizing here to, to, for my own train of thought, frankly, but some of what we talked about already with the spiritual stuff and being able to look, look at the heavens. Um, I'm comfortable. I think I'm, you know, thinking thinking through this kind of meta here, but but I think I'm comfortable with saying that God absolutely could have factored in the fact that that ancient cultures, while humans were, uh, you know, uh, I use evolving not in the sense of biological evolution, but evolving in thought and evolving in on, yeah, in in, in basically in thought, um, and going throughout time and technology and things like that. I think God foreknew that there would be a time where they wouldn't have access to the materials and to the even the data and the the things like we have today i mean we live in unprecedented times just what what has happened in the last 20 years is is insane compared to the whole rest of human you know the human timeline and so you know god knew that there was going to be this period of of primitive development for humans i mean and he especially knew following the flood he knew that when he destroyed the world with the flood anything that had come about in those 2000 year in that 2000 year or so period uh from initial creation to when the flood took place, everything that was there would be destroyed. So it'd be like starting over again. You know, we talk about cavemen and finding 
fossils and all this stuff. I'm not scared of any of that stuff. It doesn't mean I have to believe in evolution. It just means I have to believe the Bible. You know, I can explain all of that stuff, at least somewhat, uh, I would say mostly, using data from like the flood and early humanity that would have rose up after the flood. And so God knew there was going to be this period where we relied on on just what we could see in that moment with our with our with our eyes and and use that. And so I think communicating to the stars would have been a fantastic way of doing that. God knew that ancient cultures would be able to use that. And so God creates stars and planets. Um to to cement this a little further and go back to the Christmas thing for a minute. Um my personal view on the the Christmas star that we talk about that that led the uh the wise men, um, I believe it was Jupiter. Um, I have reasons for that. We could get into it at some point, but but yeah, I believe it was Jupiter. So like so now now we're getting like super practical here. Okay, why does Jupiter exist? Well, at the very least, I feel very comfortable saying that Jupiter exists because it helped point the Magi, the wise men, to the to Jesus. And became part of the announcement of literally the savior of the world. Now, did God need to create anything beyond our solar system for that to happen? Like, like why couldn't he just created the Milky Way? Well, again, I don't know. We're just kind of going deeper and deeper into speculation. Um, I will say one thing, unless you have any thoughts or comments. um, I I, I want to rabbit trail on that a minute. Do you have any thoughts or comments on that before I say something else? Well, well, you just threw me a curveball with Jupiter and oh. the Star of Bethlehem. So, no, keep going. I'm, oh. I'm, I'm intrigued. Oh, okay, okay. Well, well, I'm, I'm, I'm veering away from that a little bit. But, but we're, but there are some people now. I, uh, this gets into a big debate too. Um, I take the view of what's called young age or young Earth creationism. So, I, I do not interpret the early chapters of Genesis as being um, like a, an allegory or analogy or anything like that. I take them to be straightforward, um, you know, means what it says kind of statements. And I'm in pretty good company uh, with Hebrew scholarship doing that. And so... And, and just to verify yeah. that's, you know, the, you know, the world was created in seven days. And, and mm-hmm. yep, six days of creation, the seventh day God rested. Right. And, and, and and when we say day, we really mean ordinary solar rotation. Yeah, kind of right. kind of day. And that would that would put creation six to seven thousand years ago. Now again, like yeah, that's gonna that's gonna like really be crazy to some people. But you know, whatever. I mean, talk to my astrophysicist friends who believe it, and you know, don't talk to me. Um, so uh, I have a few of those. So it, you know, what I'm saying so. Um, so I, the reason I went down that that road is because there are some people who do not take that view, who would um, who would say that actually. The, 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 and I actually think this is pretty compelling. Um, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a uh, notch in the belt for the old earth, old age creationism, which would, which would be cool with the standard timeline of 13.8 billion years or whatever it is today, um, that they talk about, um, you know, big bang and all that. Um, what there's some, there's some evidence in the way that, um, in the fine tuning of the universe and the way that different things were arranged, um, that, um, that the universe is created exactly the way it was. And, and this means, when I say the universe, I, again, I don't just mean the solar system. I mean that the entire universe was created just the way it was because we live in this sort of Goldilocks time where um, we would be in the perfect place, in the perfect position in history. I'm trying to go slowly and articulate it carefully here, where we are, we are, we we are perfectly situated in history for the events of history that have taken place 
to take place. Um, and, and I would need to read the specifics of the argument myself again to be you know to speak to it much further than that but but they actually believe that they have a way that they can show that that in, in order for the earth to and this even goes to like some of the judgment language that we hear about in revelation and stuff like that um hugh ross uh, just to throw out a name hugh ross uh he is the leader uh he's an astrophysicist um or at least uh, may not be an astrophysicist but he is an astronomer um and he is the president of an apologetics organization called Reasons to Believe. And um, he, yeah, he he has sort of made this argument that even the judgment language that we see in the Bible, like we live in the perfect, in the sort of Goldilocks time period that God would have needed to create in order for us to be where we are, like like the like the the, the heavens had to go through a certain amount of cosmic evolution if you will to 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 arrange and, and and be just right for life to arise on earth and 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 for us to be able to observe the things that we can and um he even extends that to judgment he thinks that the judgment that god is going to bring on the earth in the end days he thinks that um it needed to be this way in order for that to happen and for humans to be around to observe it now that 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 you know, frankly, that's compelling to me. I mean, it scratches my itch a little bit of of the why question of why this big universe. And, um, the, you know, the, of course, I do have hesitations and reservations about it. One of those is the fact that I don't believe the universe is 13.8 billion years old. So I have to deal with that and, and kind of think about that in my own terms. Um, but I, I do take comfort in knowing that I could be wrong about that and that somebody else could be right about that. And if so, cool, that, that like answers my question. So I have to wonder about it a little bit longer than, than Hugh Ross and those who follow that view do. Um, but I guess I'll just have to deal with that because I think the text of scriptures is more clear. Um, the other hesitation I have about that is, is related. And that is that I, um, I'm, I'm, I'm always hesitant to adopt things that are, speculative just for the point of scratching an itch and explaining something that is not clearly laid out in scripture, especially if there are lots of other scriptures that seem to go against it. Now, to be fair, you know, you know, Hugh Ross and, and those like, they don't, they don't think that there are other scriptures that contradict it, but I do. <laughs> I think there are, are scriptures that contradict that view. So I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to accept views that are created for an apologetics purpose is what I'm trying to say rather than taking the information that we have from the text, you know, at, at, at face value and, and studying it to make sure our conclusions are clear um, and, and and all of that. So again, if you're somebody who doesn't think that there are constraints around the age of creation and thing when you're, things when you're reading the Bible, then, you know, maybe you have some more license to, to take some of those speculative routes. Uh, me, I just prefer to stick with the text as much as possible because it is the firm foundation um, for all matters of faith and, and, and practice in life. So I, I'm cool. I'm cool speculating, but I'm not cool speculating about something that there are good reasons to, to think isn't true. So that's, that's why I wouldn't hold to that view. But does that make sense? I mean, it kind of, you know, it's, it's different. A little bit. Um, and just to clarify, when you were talking about like how the, the one explanation is that the universe was created just as it was. So we would be perfectly placed in the history and things would, would, would happen the way that they, they happened. Did you say that that is, is a speculation that you do or don't agree with? I, um, I don't agree with it in the way that, um, it's formulated by the person I just described. Um, 
because, because it of, because it requires a big bang it requires a 13.8 billion year old universe and and, right, and things right. like that and and it, and it does it, ex, it 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 explains that portion of it you know that the reason for it is because of all of those things happening but right that just creates a whole lot more questions for me because yeah. that takes me more down the Stephen Hawking oh yeah avenue yeah then it does you know Mm-hmm. And, and so that just kind of yeah that just kind of that just kind of took me for a spin a little bit and created a whole bunch more questions <laughs> which is fun so, that's why we do this podcast i mean people right, you know people exactly. really enjoy this i think they like hearing you talk some uh, a lot more than hearing me so uh this is perfect oh, well, you're, the, you're the one with the information well i mean just one thing always leads to another question for me and i think that's why you know i'm, I'm always asking them because i'm like wait a second but yeah. that's the case and you know yeah, it's what it is but you know it, it it as i'm listening to you I'm, you know, I'm like, okay, so if this is the direction in that we're going, that means the universe would have to be billions of years old. And Mm -hmm. so it it makes sense to me now that you're, you're explaining a view from someone who doesn't have the young age creation. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's, I, I guess it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I know that there's a variety of different creationists out there, you Uh know, they, they, the whole it all kind of comes down to the the main theme of yes, God created it, but what does that look like? And so, you know, I don't like the idea, like you said, just just to scratch an itch, like just pick one that makes you feel better. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, let me pick this one because it makes me feel better about it. Right. And and really, and as you were talking, it, it's almost like, you know, maybe the, you know, we're we're looking for something to help scratch that itch when it doesn't even really matter. Right. Because I guess in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't necessarily matter. It's just our human minds wanting some sort of answer because and maybe that's the reason why it is what it is. It's, right. We'll never know. But yeah. Um I, I just I just wanted to clarify what you meant whenever yeah. you were moving in that direction. It, it did seem like a, a little bit of a um conflict with the young age creation. Yeah. But but yeah. It, yeah, it, it is. It, it is. And I, um, you know, to, to kind of put a button on it, I have, I've written an article in response on my blog. It's a really long one. To, it's like 6,000 words, I think. But it was a response to a guy named Luke Nix, who has an apologetics blog. And he, so there's a movie called Is Genesis History? It's a really, really good movie. I'm friends with a few of the people who were interviewed, the scientists that were interviewed in the movie. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's... It, it, it's a really good movie by a really good uh, group of people who are trying to do good, honest work as creationists, as scientists. And um, there was a, a a commentary, a refutation of sorts, written um, about the movie from somebody who holds to this old age position. And so I responded to to him uh, on my blog. I, I quoted him throughout, and and then you know responded to his thoughts. And in one of those. Um, one of the things he said, I was actually kind of surprised to hear it uh, because it was it was pretty honest. Um, but he said, you know, it was basically like, well, if the if there's good evidence scientifically that the earth is old, then we should seek to reinterpret the scriptures and understand, you know, to bring that in accordance with our modern scientific understanding. And I pushed back so hard on that. I was like, no, 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 no. This to do that would be to make the same exact error that caused, I don't know how much, how familiar you are with history, uh, the history of science, and, and especially as it relates to, to, to the Bible and things like that. But there was this whole period of time where with, with Galileo, with the whole Copernican, like um, geocentric versus heliocentric model of the, uh, of the sun. And the whole reason for this problem is that the church 
bought into the idea that the prevailing science of the day should have something to say about the way that we interpret scripture. And the thing about it is scientific interpretation lives on this arm and biblical interpretation lives on this arm. These are two entirely different different things, but only one of them claims to be the written words of the God who created it all, okay? And so you have on the one hand, what can be seen from general revelation, which is, oh, I look up at the night sky and I see things. Then on the other hand, you have, and it's more complicated than that, but that's, I'm just broadly speaking here. But then on the other hand, you have what we call special revelation. And special revelation, among other things, tells us how to interpret general revelation. It tells us how to make sense of what we see in the world around us, right? So it's like in the world around us, I observe people with a variety to, to go into a different realm and make my point of different, what they claim to be sexual orientations. And and from special revelation, we learn that it is in, improper, inappropriate, and even sinful to, to act in accordance with the, some of those orientations, right? So, so we learn from special revelation what to do with the information that we bring in through general revelation, okay? And, and so that's an extremely important distinction. And so my fear with people like this who, 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 who take that old age approach and, and interpret things going on in the universe based on that, my fear is that they are um, more confident in what their interpretation of the scientific data says than what their interpretation of the Bible is. And to me, that's backwards and dangerous. So, um, do you know We good? You're good. Okay. So to me, that's, that's backward and dangerous. We should... 100% have an appreciation for science. In fact, I was going to bring up um, as my last point, Eden and the dominion mandate. Like like we we are supposed to be fruitful and multiply. We are supposed to tender creation. We're supposed to cultivate the fields. We're supposed to name the animals. We're, you know, we're supposed to interact with God's creation. And again, the speculative part of me wants to say that that's going to extend past the earth one of these days. Totally. Okay. But um, within that, we have to realize that the the science does not speak for itself okay that we have data in front of us that we have to 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 consider and when the data appears to be in conflict call me a fundamentalist call me a whatever you want to call me but i'm just always going to go with what god has said because i think there's evidence again from the same universe that i'm looking at i think there's evidence that god exists and if god exists he told us how he did things and in some cases why he did things and so I'm always going to start with that. I'm still going to care a lot about science. I, I reject anti-intellectualism. I, I reject not studying science. I reject not studying language and social studies. I, I reject that. What I, but what I don't reject is that we start with the Bible. The Bible is the foundation. We, we get the information from there and we use that to guide our interpretation of what we see. So that, that's why I'm hesitant. And so I, you know, when we do that, I'm a lot more comfortable saying, that that God, I, I mean, I'm I'm thinking about this again, but I'm more comfortable saying I think that God created the entire universe that we see, everything we see, just so that Jupiter can be in the right place to lead the Magi to the Son of God, so that it could be announced to the world, uh, and that God's plan would go forward. I'm more comfortable saying that, as as controversial as that might sound, 
than I am agreeing with Hugh Ross's speculation that the universe was created the way it is just so that we could be here to observe. Because we don't get that from Scripture. I can look at Scripture and say, yes, even this thing that's in the night sky, that it's probably Jupiter. And like we know what Jupiter is. That's It's a concrete thing. It's a, it's a real thing. So maybe... Maybe this entire universe was created exactly the way that it, it was just so Jupiter could be where it needed to be so the Magi could see it and they could, it could, they could be led to Jesus. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's more to it than that, but, but I'm, at least that comes from the text. You know what I'm saying? And there are, uh, this is too much to go into for today, but, but, but there are ways of understanding astronomy and astrophysics and, and all of that stuff from a biblical young age, six to 7,000 year timescale. Right, I mean that it, it's not that is not impossible to do, even though it's it's not very comfortable with the mainstream view. Um, so so there, yeah, there are ways to make sense of that, and and I I like thinking about a world that was designed the way that it was purposefully for for things to for things to happen. So I think we can make sense of that on a young age view, and uh, um, again on an old age view. But I do think on the young age view, it's a lot less uh, speculative. And I've got a very specific question yep. when it is referring to the young age creation. Um, so, so you know, God created the animals. He created Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. And he created them with age. So it was the chicken before the egg, right? Mm. And they could probably even, you know, figure out how old Adam was with science, right? Because you can explain everything with science. They could probably figure out how old Adam and how old Eve was yeah. based so. on who knows what? Yeah. Right. So is it, is it something that's discussed or even yes, young age creation, but God created the animals and Adam with age. Yeah. So couldn't he have done the same with our world and with our universe? And therefore, if some of these, you know, I don't know the word like carbon dating or, yes. or figuring out how old the universe is, you know, they use science to figure out that they could potentially even tell us how old Adam was. Yeah. Do you understand where my question is? I do, I do. Yeah, it's young age, but ultimately he could have created it with age because that's what he did with with humans and with animals. And with that, my friends, we will see you next week here on the Bible Nerd (laughs) Podcast. Um, (laughs) And it's it's a, it's a, uh, I'm I'm kidding, but not. It is actually a a great, a a great question. I'll give you a spoiler alert or two here, but I actually think we should devote a whole podcast to this because I'm not sure that I'm actually not sure that I have devoted a podcast in, in, in the hundreds I've done. I'm not sure that I have devoted one specifically to that question yet. Um, I I know I've written something about it, but I don't know that in a podcast. I I actually didn't realize how, how, I don't know. I, I didn't realize how big of a question that was. Yeah, yeah, so. it, yeah. It's, it's it's actually a, a huge question. The the spoiler alert, kind of kind of like like simple answer to kind of what what the appetite a little um, is that it this 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 tactic of saying that used to be something that was actually very very popular in creationist circles, but it started to most people don't hold to the a view like that anymore because it really started to raise questions about um, the. Um, the character of God, uh, believe it or not, um, because because if you can look up at the night sky and see a supernova, that there's a, there's a, a specific one, SN uh, SN 1987. Um, it was a, a supernova that was observed in 1987 that people just always use, you know go back to this example about um, that you know would have needed to explode a hundred thousand years or you know hundreds of thousands of years ago in order for that light to have reached. So the question is, when we observed the supernova in 1987. 
was that fake light that God created? Because if he didn't create hundred thousand, you know, hundreds of thousands of years ago, how are we seeing the light from this thing? So wetting your appetite a little bit. I'm not, I'm not going to give like a total answer to that, but, but yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, yeah the, the question is, does that make God a liar? Um, if that's what happened. And so a lot of creationists do not take that position anymore um, because, yeah, because of that. At the same time, there is a resurgence of a more nuanced view of this called mature creation apologetics. Um, I'm too big of a nerd. I'm just realizing this as I'm speaking. I think I am way too, uh, too big of a, uh, of a, of a nerd. So uh, there is a, it's a, it's a book uh, called, um, 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 something about ex nihilo, which which is Latin for out of nothing. Um, and and uh, I think that's maybe the subtitle. Uh, what's the guy's name? Um, Paul or Ken or something. I'll I'll find it out. Okay. Um, and uh, Polson Colson Ken Ken Colson maybe Ken Colson C O U L S O N. I read the book recently, and uh, it's a um, it's it's sort of a. You know how, how we talk about pendulum swings oftentimes. It's like you're you're you know, you'll you'll go to one extreme and then people start to reject that for whatever reason. So they go to the other extreme and then eventually it settles somewhere in the middle. This this book was was uh I think his name is Ken. Um he's an Australian um uh scientist. And um yeah, this this book was his attempt at landing the mature creation apologetic somewhere in the middle. Um and, and he brings up some reasons for thinking that that's that's the case. So there's to let your appetite a little bit. Maybe we talk about that in yeah. either, either next week or, or, or just real soon. Um, since these things seem to be going one, one to another, but, uh, but I'd love to talk about more broadly, you know, re reasons for holding a young age view. And then maybe you can, you know, ask some questions that you have along with that. But I definitely want to answer the specific question of was the, was the earth and the universe created with age? Cause there's, there's a lot there that we could talk about. So my friends, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Bible Nerd Podcast. I'm really thrilled again with the way this conversation went. And so if you have any questions, um, I don't know if you know, but but, but you can actually go uh, to steveshram.com anytime you want. steveshram.com. I'm going to do it right along with you as I'm typing this to make sure that I'm telling you right. If you go to steveshram.com and you go to uh, the Explore tab, if you hover over that and then you go down to where it says Ask a Question, um, it will actually take you to... Um, somewhere that I don't want it to take you to right now. <laughs> so um, I'm going to go ahead and fix that uh, before this episode airs. And, and what you'll do is, is you'll hit ask a question and it will take you to a form where you can actually just submit a question for the podcast, okay? So that um, we can uh, answer your question and and me and Emily can talk about it. Where, you know, that's sort of the kind of thing that we're doing because Emily, again, she has really, really good thoughts about things like this. So, so I will answer the question in one way and then she would actually be able to come in and provide some other perspective and, and new questions and, and things like that based on it. So if you have a question, if you're wondering about something, I can almost guarantee she's wondering about it too. And a lot of other podcast listeners are wondering about it as well. So Again, go to steveshram.com under the Explore tab. You can go to Ask a Question and put your question there, and we would be happy to discuss that on the podcast. All right, thanks so much. Have a good one, and God bless you.